You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, guys, like I said, we're going to continue to go here. You know, there'll be some off days every now and then, but uh, the time now between camp, which you're probably talking about now, five weeks, um, you know, you know, day-to-day life, it'll go slow. But uh, real-time, it'll probably go pretty damn fast. And uh, maybe weather-wise, Pete, will get a summer here. I don't know. I think we've had six separate storms roll in. Uh, my daughter, uh, you know, I told you they're ending school tomorrow's the last day. I dropped her off at a friend's after school. And she's like, yeah, we, we, we did go swimming for nine minutes. Uh, they were like, hey, at least we're going to get something uh, as far as that. Uh, you know, uh, today, uh, as always, uh, brought to you by the fine folks over at Hotels.com. Appreciate their sponsorship. Use hotel, Hotels.com. Get rewarded. Make your plans. Don't be jealous of what your friends are doing. Go to Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. Uh, obviously, you know the show, Locked On Browns, with me, your host, Jeff Lloyd. Available iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Himalaya, whatever your podcasting app is. Uh, make sure you're following and subscribed. And, of course, you know, liking and reviewing uh, and rating-wise uh, for Locked On Browns. Mr. Smith, Pete, what's the latest, sir? Uh, I mean... <laughs> The over the over the past two days, we've gone from we. I, I've been dealing with. Well, I shouldn't say dealing with. I live on a hill, so I'm not worried about it. Flood warnings, and a couple of days ago, we had a tornado warning. So weather's been great. So you've kind of become like Missouri in that aspect. I mean, we're still like looking trying to be the new Seattle or something. Like we have an obscene amount of rain. Yeah, no, even today was rough. And, and my wife, she had to go out and run some errands. And, uh, you know, she's like, oh, I'm going to go out now. What, what do you be home? I was like, oh, I'll be home in about an hour. And, like, we, we I kind of, look, you know, we're to the age now where the kids can spend a little time home by themselves. I mean, obviously, doors are locked. They have phones. I've got over 120 pounds of pit bull in this house. But there's one thing we do not do when it is raining hard and there's the possibility of thunder and lightning and losing power. No, you don't leave your children home for that one. I was like, no, no, no. And then she called me 30 seconds later. She's like, yeah, I can't even see out the front window. I was like, yeah, so it's better not to be driving in this. Uh, So not too much similar. And, you know, Pete actually joked on this. He's kind of going to Ohio and getting poured on down to the East Coast. So, yeah, we're all all living the dream here. You know, so summer may consist of about three weeks whenever it comes. I hope we all get a chance to enjoy it. Uh, Pete, interesting enough... um, Somebody put something out there, and it seems, I guess this is the time, and maybe it's because it's June, and maybe they think not a lot of people are noticing, you know, is when the, the bangle takes come out, and first things first, Pete and I spoke very well of Joe Mixon, the two games where the Browns faced him last year, and I just actually asked Pete this, and neither of us knew, uh, you want to talk about the quietest, because I think it was something about he could lead the NFL in rushing this year, which, you know, I made a little snarky comment, I do, I did, um... And Pete and I, neither one of us had any idea that Joe Mixon won the AFC rushing title last year. None whatsoever. No. Uh, my feeling on this is the Bengals could have 2,000-yard receivers, a 1,500-yard rusher, and Joe Mixon, and still be the fourth place team in the division uh, by a wide margin. Like they, From an offensive stop, talent standpoint, they could be the – you know, the, uh, effectively the Lions of the early 90s with Scott Mitchell, Herman Moore, Brett Perryman, and Barry Sanders. Looks but, really good, never results in wins. Well, yeah, I mean, your defense your defense has a bunch of questions, and, you know, your quarterback is Scott Mitchell, so you're limited on how far you can go. And ultimately, they did make the playoffs, but that was it. Uh, that was as far as they went. But, I mean, the Bengals just have 
not only do they have their own questions, but just seems like every other team in the division is just notably better than they are. But, uh, you know, maybe they'll be frisky for a while. I just hope they get that out of their system before December. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, by that by that time, it should, you know, Andy Dalton should be, you know, wearing the nice jacket on the sidelines and then just figuring out which quarterback you want in the top of the 2020 NFL draft. Uh, I, I just, you know, I, I didn't well, mean it. it the scenario for the Browns is Andy Dalton has the year of his freaking life. That would be lovely. lovely. And they extend and because he's on the, he's on the uh, last year of his contract, I think. If he's not, he's he's in a position where it's an easy out. But yeah, that that's the talk is uh, Mike Brown saying, you know, we got to see if it's worth an extension. So uh, as always, my 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 lifelong stance with is Andy Dalton for life uh, for the Bengals as the best thing that could possibly happen to the Browns. So I'm hoping Andy Dalton crushes it this year and the Bengals get settled with him for another. You know, however many years. Uh, yeah, no, I, nothing wrong with that. Um, I'm not an Andy Dalton guy. I, I've never been one. And uh, I, I guess maybe because if you're thinking Marvin Lewis finally isn't here, anybody is better than Marvin Lewis. I guess I can understand that if you're a Bengals fan. Uh, but nobody knows who the hell Zach Taylor is. We have no idea whatsoever. And uh, Ryan Finley? Was that the quarterback they ended up drafting, Pete? Ryan Finley? Yeah, I mean, so... The, uh, He's not any, beating out Jeff Driscoll, at least what Jeff Driscoll did last year. Uh, well, I mean, Jeff Driscoll could 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 save them a roster spot and be that fourth fourth fifth receiver. Um, Andy Dalton is the worst of the environmental quarterbacks, and the environmental quarterbacks off the top of my head are Matt Ryan. He's the best. Uh, Dak Prescott, and then Andy Dalton, and they are as good within a certain range as the town around them. Matt Ryan is certainly the best. If you put him on a, on a shitty team, he wouldn't be terrible. Andy Dalton would be completely lost, but they tend to rise and fall uh, from season to season, depending on how good everybody else is around them. Yes. Uh, I, I just don't see it. I think there are the worst team in the AFC North. Uh, I don't know what they did this year. That's going to improve things. Maybe Pittsburgh losing Antonio Brown, uh, maybe, you know, gl- close you know makes that gap a little closer i don't know you know baltimore yeah i just don't i just don't see it um i'm not looking to pick on the Bengals here you know everybody's going to have their time as being the uh doormat i just do think it's their time and i do remember wasn't it njoku had like a 50 yard reception and then they took the knee and like the four to close out that game yeah that was the uh that was the dagger uh yeah. that little that little like a choice route where he catches it and then takes yep. it out. Spun in and went up, yeah. Got another 40 afterwards where it could have made it even uglier with another touchdown there at the end and whatever. Uh, okay, whatever. So, you know, they got their, uh, as Pete likes to say, uh, that was where the Browns kind of got their uh, their batting practice cuts in and, you know, cracked some long balls. Uh, with that, uh, Marcus Mosher uh, had a, Mar- if you don't know Marcus, Marcus uh, obviously writes everywhere, but he also hosts the Locked On Cowboys podcast. Um, now, he also works Raiders Wire. This, I mean, some of these guys, they work incessantly. Um, and he put up, ba- basically, I believe, if we're phrasing it right, Pete, it was the three worst what-if looking back tra- uh, draft scenarios uh, you know, for the Raiders in recent memory. So, uh, obviously, Pete, you know, with, having dealt with this pretty much all of his life, uh, we're going to get going here, and we're going to let Pete, I guess, rip the scab off the wound and a couple, and we can do this now, guys, because it's it's okay to joke about the past with where this product is now, 
but there's a couple of rip the scab off moments that Pete's going to give us. Uh, Pete, I, you know, in no particular order, but whatever. Let's go. What do you got? So my favorite all-time what-if draft thing for the Browns is 2002 or 2001, uh, and, and there's two parts to this uh, because the first part of this was supposed to happen. Uh, and they changed, and, and Butch Davis changed at the last minute. He showed up the day of the draft and decided not to go this route. So the Browns were set to take, well, the entire building was set to take Richard Seymour. Uh, third overall, Richard Seymour, uh, who went to the New England Patriots and at some point should have his, uh, should be enshrined in Canton. He's uh, absolutely a Hall of Famer to me. Uh, and Butch Davis showed up the day of the draft and said, we're going with my gut. We're taking Gerard Warren, uh, who was reputed lazy get lazy player, who had a really nice junior year. Uh, they were going to take him to be that impact nose tackle. Uh, and he was okay a couple times, but he just was never that good. And, and and obviously Seymour was again Hall of Famer. But the other part of that, what if you know, for the Browns fans is if if what if the Browns got Richard Seymour and Courtney Brown, you know, was not struck down by every injury known to man, and and, and you know the, one of the all time great guys who got or, uh, got struck down by bad luck. He was never hurt uh, in high state. school, yeah. college anywhere until he got to the NFL and it really does feel like uh you know they didn't do enough in terms of flexibility and that stuff but it really just feels like he his he, he got too strong for his joints uh and and there's stories about him like in high school like he was embarrassed of how strong he was uh and that type of stuff so that what if is the what if Browns had Richard Seymour and a healthy Courtney Brown along with Tim Couch uh, who was good? They just never surrounded him, and and uh, there the, the equally viable what if is if the Browns don't take Courtney Brown and instead take uh, uh, take uh, what's his face, the offensive tackle uh, that went in two thousand to the Redskins. Let me see if I can find his name. Chris right. Samuels. Samuels. If they had taken him that first pick overall uh, to ensure that they had. You know, protection for Tim Couch because they never his best lineman. I think his entire time here was Dave Wollabaugh. Uh But yeah, he uh, again, it, everybody would forgive it if Courtney Brown was great. But there, you know, there's a reasonable argument to make that you know that, that Chris Samuels was the, was the pick just to ensure that Tim Couch, who was sacked something like 120 times in those first two years, wouldn't have been. Uh, and the NFL's marketing used to be. Back when they before they realized uh, how awful it was, was basically just running uh, highlights of Tim Couch getting freaking drilled by various superstars into the ground and having his he- helmet turned sideways and all those things. So yeah, that's the first one. Yeah, he got beat up pretty good. Um, and it's actually you know funny and obviously with Butch Davis and I still remember this story of you know Butch Davis telling his son he's like, well no, he's like we're leaving Miami, we're going to the NFL, and his son's all excited and all, we're going to the NFL. Yes, son, we're going to the Cleveland Browns. And his son, huh? Cleveland Browns? <laughs> like, you know, and the kid, you know, the kid basically gave the reaction of, well, can we just stay in Miami? And, uh, you know, eh, God bless Butch. Uh, yeah, he tried. God bless his little heart. He tried. Um, the folks uh, from Grip Six Belts, uh, their goal is to literally make 
the greatest belt that has ever been made. Grip Six is an easy, thoughtful gift for dads, uh, brothers, uncles, also you know uh, mothers, aunts, sisters. Uh, they do have a women's line now as well. Ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying flat against the seam, making the belt super comfortable. Grip Six is the only belt, again, with no holes, with no flap, and with no bulk. Grip Six has a special offer for you all at gripsix.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E. And thanks to the, uh, thanks to Grip Six for the sponsorship of Locked on Browns. Uh, look, uh, Blue Chew, uh, like the color, uh, Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the FDA-approved active ingredient. Uh, as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. Uh, you can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And as always, this is about our uh, sexual survival, uh, beat the machine, so to speak. Uh, and uh, hope here's hoping that everybody, uh, the dads and would-be dads, uh, had a productive Father's Day. Uh, and hopefully a Bluetooth uh, fueled Father's Day. If they indeed uh, did, were, were successful in the mission, uh, to uh, hopefully a lot of uh, unofficially sponsored Blue Chew babies coming in about nine months. Did you die? Uh, tee up the next one here, and maybe the this year wouldn't be as anticipated as it is because there would have been a taste of success before, hopefully, what will be the 2019 Cleveland Browns season. Um, so the one that loves to be revisited uh, is the 2011 draft, uh, and the Browns famously traded down from six all the way down to 21. Uh, the Falcons traded up, gave up everything uh, to get Julio Jones, and mm. you know, been a popular stomping point for for uh, Tony Grossi for years. And the fact is, he's wrong uh, about this. And let's say the Browns do stay at sticks. The answer is not still not Julio Jones. The answer is JJ Watt, and it's not even close. Uh, you know, you always take the defender. Well, I mean, Julio Jones is great. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. But J.J. Watt has basically carried a team that didn't have quarterbacks and anything else up uh, you know, into the playoffs. Uh, ultimately, they have not gotten as far as they would have liked to and have, have blown a lot of opportunities. But J.J. Watt is you know, our, the, the Reggie White of his day. And I don't care who the receiver is. You're not doing better than that. So... You know, if you stayed at six and ultimately you could have had J.J. Watt uh, in that draft, that would have been absolutely the right pick. You can sit here and cry about Julio Jones all you want, but there's it, it, he's not even second for me. Uh, you know, Tyron Smith, Smith would be second for me. Uh, you have arguably a, a, a Hall, you know, he, he a very good argument to ultimately the Hall of Fame. And, you know, give, given the Cowboys bump, he'll probably get there. Uh, but yeah, you know, Julio Jones is great. Uh, you, you certainly wouldn't be upset with, with taking him, but it's JJ Watt. 
Well, and the other thing is you can think about how well it would have worked out because you had had your stalwart on offense at left tackle in Joe Thomas. Uh, you would have had your stalwart defensive line player in J.J. Watt, obviously both of Wisconsin. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a rough one. And the other thing was, you know, at the time, if you're drafting six, what are you go, doing going all drop all the way to 20s? That was the that was the head scratch scratcher of that one for me. It was like, look, I can understand if you if you looked at it and said, "Ooh, there's three or four guys here we really like," so we don't have to draft at six. We can go to seven, maybe eight, maybe even nine. No, 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 all the way out of there. And that was the that that was that that was just an absolute cluster f. There's just no way around that one. What's well, the pack? The package they got was great. They just happened to screw up basically every pick attached to it. Uh, I mean, they got a pair of first-rounders. They got an extra third-rounder and something else. I think another second-rounder in there. And they just have to fan on every single pick. And ultimately, the Falcons found themselves in a huge hole because they they struggled to sort of fill in the gaps uh, left by that trade. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, the trade itself wasn't bad. But again, if you were going to sit there, it's still not Julio Jones. And well, Atlanta, if you didn't freaking drop a twenty-eight to three <laughs> Super Bowl appearance, uh, it, everything would have been worth it because it ended up being a freaking move that ended up netting you a Lombardi. So you know what? You can tell everybody, screw you. There's a Lombardi in the showcase. Uh, <laughs> just yeah, these are fun. They're always fun because obviously Pete and I, as much as we love the draft. And, you know, obviously, we're just doing this Browns-wise. And for you guys, look, it's good to poke fun at this now. Um, Odell Beckham's here, so who cares about that or whatever. And, look, you do have Miles Garrett now, and that's part of why we can go back and do this now because we did a show like this last year. I'm sure we'd be MF to the nine. Well, we'll probably get that anyway. Uh, All right, Pete, what's the last one you got? Uh, 2014. Uh, Everybody else. The league uh, managed to land a bunch of star players, and the Browns managed to delicately navigate a star-laden first round uh, to find both landmines. Uh, but just focusing on it, you know, let's let's assume the Browns still trade down to Buffalo and end up at nine. Uh, they ultimately, in reality, they traded back up to eight to get Justin Gilbert. Let's just sit at nine and take Aaron Donald and. We get, you know, a guy who's ultimate again, another guy who's going to ultimately end up in, in the Hall of Fame. And and this is the same draft where Aaron Donald goes 13, Odell Beckham goes 12, Kyle Fuller goes 14, Ryan Shazier obviously had his, you know, spinal issue, but he goes 15, Zach Martin goes 16, CJ Mosley goes 17, the Jets did something, uh, you know, and it's just a star-studded field. I mean, you know, the Browns and the Jets are basically the two of the teams that managed to find a way to screw up one of the most star-laden drafts you're going to see in years and years and years and managed to get nothing out of that first round. Ultimately, they were able to uh, get Joel Batonio, got Chris Kirksey. Uh, they they drafted uh, what's-his-face, who I really liked in the fourth round if I find him. Uh, let's see. Oh, Terrence West in the third round. That did not work. I liked him too. Oh, that's we ended uh, up going to the Ravens for a bit, right? The guy they did get in the fourth round, who I did really like, was Pierre Desir, and who's ultimately finding a lot of success now. Uh, and, and I thought he he got 
you know, let go too early, but nevertheless, he's found success now. So yeah, uh, you get Justin Gilbert who did nothing to uh, a Hall of Famer in Aaron Donald, and ultimately the Browns have found their way to Odell Beckham. And uh, I remember that because uh, th- we actually talked about this show last night, and Jeff Risden was on because we talked about this with the Calvin Pryor moment. And uh, when they had traded out, and I guess that's where Buffalo took Sammy Watkins at six, you know, Jeff Risden, that is a nice move. I like it. It's a solid move. Browns trade up to eight and take Justin Gilbert. And you literally could hear the liquid or whatever Jeff Risden was drinking at the time. <laughs> what? What did they just do? And, you know, I mean, Justin Gilbert, uh, I mean, hell of an athlete. He really was. Uh, you know, and I, I liked the athleticism. Uh, he, he really couldn't play. And, you know, I don't – nothing's been heard of what Justin Gilbert for, what, three three years now? What would he, he got moved to, if I remember, uh, Pittsburgh for like a seventh-round pick, right? They got a sixth out of the Steelers. Um, yeah. They, Which was a gift. Yeah, I had a, a fourth-round grade on, on Justin Gilbert. And what's funny is the way I do it now, Justin Gilbert, you know, still would have would not have done well for me in terms of watching the tape, but analytically he crushes He was it. a darling. Because he had, we got to ask, we got to ask Kent Platty for that. We got to ask for a Justin Gilbert Raz score. Oh, I'm sure he, you know, he had like a four, three, uh, four, three speed and all that. Uh, but yeah, he had a ton of interceptions that year. I don't know what he did in terms of past deflections. I may have heard him, but yeah, I mean, he, you know, uh, there's certain draft analysts that uh, don't want to admit this was their top corner and we're, we're singing from the rooftops how great this guy was going to be. But yeah, I had a day three pick on him and uh, he played like our risky day three pick and, and had just no idea what he was doing. It was not in it for the right reasons. And Browns famously didn't even meet him or talk to him before the draft. Uh, so yeah, bad. Everything about it was bad. And that wasn't even the worst pick, you know, that, that, that that the fact that Johnny Manziel wasn't the worst pick of that first round for them says a lot. And terrifies the living daylights out of you that and you know, Aaron Donald, Odell Beckham, how many players did you just not take in that scenario? Um so I did want to do that, guys. Um but the point of that was is none of that freaking matters now. None of it. Not one iota, not one drop of it. Because you have a franchise quarterback, you have depth at the running back position, you have Odell with Jarvis and Rashard, and it's just to show that even you know, even as bleak as times were, and you know, it, it, none of it freaking matters anymore. Because you got a product that you're in love with as a fan base, and guys you can get behind in Miles Garrett and Larry Ogunjobi, and even if Baker is just going to be the cockiest sob in the room, everybody's going to say, "Well, he's my cockiest sob," and it's it's just good to embrace, enjoy all that. As we move on on here, uh, let's see here. Check we're going to check on some listener questions. We do have a couple here. We're going to sneak those in. I think they're over on the LLB account, and we'll get to that. I tell you what, before we even go there, Pete, OJ Simpson is on Twitter. What is this guy doing? Did you even see Norm McDonald with the quote t- tweet to him? Or did you catch that or no? The comedian no, I, Norm McDonald. He's like, I mean, um, he's like, I've been in Vegas. I know this golf course. I know that pool. Everyone knows where you are. This is probably not a good idea. And I don't think OJ, for as long as he, I, I don't think he's got any idea of the world he's in. And oh, good God, this is. 
I just don't see how the, any of this is going to end well for anybody. Uh, yeah, I've, I mean, I know this has caught a lot of people's attention. I've tried to ignore it. Uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's fascinating to me that he's sort of celebrated in some corners and you realize what he actually did, uh, you know, multiple, you know, multiple issues with him, even if you're grasping on the straw that he didn't do the first one. Um, what about the stealing the shit that he wasn't entitled to have because he owed two families $19 million? Well, that that's the thing is like he's, you know... You beat a double murder rap, you jackass! How can you go to jail for stealing shit that you weren't supposed to have anyway? Well, it, it was his... Sh- the thing was, he managed to screw up. It was his... <laughs> it wasn't um, his stuff, though, because anything worth a monetary value he owed to these families. And that was the, right. that was the gift he got for not going to jail for the rest of his life. So, you know, whether or not he, he, you know, people know where he is, the thing is, that, I'm surprised OJ isn't broadcasting because he will take any attention he can get at this point uh, because he needs money uh, for any number of reasons. But, you know, it's one of those things I I ignore will hopefully uh, go away and people will get bored. seems like he's trying to delve into fantasy football. Uh, and where he made, the, he made the cardinal mistake of, and this is one thing, and I know the, uh, the fantasy community very well. The one thing the fantasy community never does is at players. And there you are, Patrick Mahomes and the problems with Cheetah, and maybe I'll take Baker Mayfield number one overall, or Todd Gurley, and he's putting everybody's hat in that. <laughs> and I can only imagine because you got to think about the way these guys view him. You know, like, I mean, they're all 22, 23, 24 years old. Oh, for the love of God, dude, please do not freaking put my Twitter handle in anything coming out of your mouth. Right. Well, the, the fascinating aspect of that is, you know, 1994, uh, most of these prospects weren't born yet. Nope. Or most, you know, most players he's mentioning. Well, yeah, well, yesterday was the anniversary of Bronco Ride. Yeah, so, I mean. Yeah, that was 25. Uh, so Baker Mayfield is is younger than the Bronco ride. Uh, so there's a weird disconnect with that whole thing. I, I you know I, I don't think this goes very far, but there's a weird appetite for a freak show, and certainly he's going to give you that. Oh well, I mean, yeah, there's no doubt about that. Do you now, Pete? I know you're younger than me. Do you remember that night? Do you remember the the OJ Bronco night? I do. What, what What's fascinating to me is I don't remember the NBA Finals uh, from that that night. Uh, I, I mean, I, I watched the, uh, the 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 thirty for thirty thing on the yep. on that night. I remember the Bronco stuff. I do not remember everything else. How much other shit happened? But that's how you know fascinating. I guess that was. But at the same time, I was like young enough to sort of probably be tuning in and out of that. But I, I think I do remember, I think watching the NBA finals game, uh, but everything else, I don't think I, I noticed. Uh, I do remember it explicitly. And, um, I was taking summer classes at Monmouth and this is what athletes do. You try to take a couple of classes in the summertime cause they're usually easier. Um, and when you take them in the summertime, you're usually just taking them for credits, not so much grades or whatever. So I was taking them, um, I had met a girl through one of the classes I was taking. She was good. She was all right. 
and uh, her, she, her her mother had a beautiful beach house in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. So we were down there. She's like, oh, no, come down, hang out, whatever. And, you know, because you know, there were a couple of guys in class, and our professor actually was a huge basketball fan, so we had been talking about the NBA Finals. And she's like, no, come down, we'll watch the game or whatever. And she was cool. Like, she was set for it. Like, you know, all food was older. We were going to sit and watch the game. And, you know, I was a big Knicks fan at the time. Patrick Ewing loved him to death. And when they went to... The chase, it was like, well, this is pointless because they're not going to kill him on a highway with, you know, now 87 million people. So she's like, oh, you know, and the boardwalk was there, you know, the rides, all the scenario of a boardwalk environment. So now, you know, we're walking the boardwalk and literally I'm I'm going past like every, like, you know, there's some houses intermittent. I'm kind of peeking through their like windows, looking at the TV. They still got this freaking goddamn freaking car chase on and just going on and on. And of course, obviously the Knicks ended up blowing the series because, you know, they're the New York Knicks and that's the way it is. But, I, I mean, I will never forget that night. And then I do remember in college and, like, even me and my buddies were like, I can't believe we're sitting here hooked on a freaking trial and watching everything and then watching all of this going down. And they're like, oh, all right, well, all right, well, this was stupid. Everybody knows he's guilty, all right? Just send him away for life. And then all of a sudden he was a free man and it was like, what the flying F just happened? What just happened? It was, it was crazy. And uh, I joke, Pete. Who's the first person that gets him on a podcast? It's got to be Barstool. Somebody Barstool is going to get this done. You know it. Um. Yeah. I mean, those the, they they would be the obvious one, or uh, somebody like again, if he's trying to get to fantasy and, and gambling, I could see him go end up with like uh, Bill Simmons or cousin Sal or one of those. You know, the, the, who have, you know, will will try, you know, but Bill, Cousin Sal has no shame and won't care, and that's fine. That's that's what he does. Bill Simmons would try to spin it as something, you know, useful or whatever, but ultimately it's just a shameless grab. Uh, you know, if, 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 if ESPN was willing to go build the studio there, I'm sure they'd put him on first take uh, <laughs> with, with all. I mean... I mean, there's, there, you know, there's, there's, there's no bottom in terms of like, you know, people willing to sort of go down and get, do anything to get noticed. And, and somebody will, I expect there will be a line of people that are willing to do that. And I tell you what, Juice, you want to come talk, stop by Locked On Browns. Well, you know, we'll, we'll have some laughs, uh, you know, and, you know. We won't ask you any questions of anybody's paternity, whether or not you maybe slept with some of your buddy's wife or, you know, how many other kids you may have in this world. And uh, I did think one of the funnier ones, though, was I forget who put out the tweet, though, was, uh, you know, like the panic gift, like the world is ending. And, you know, it was the like it was the picture O.J. Simpson followed you and that. <laughs> oh, God, God. And, that, you know, everybody run for your lives. Drink the last drink. Eat oh. all the food. His first his first tweet was like. Something about it. I got, I got, I got some even to get into. Yes, some getting even to do. It's like, wait, what? You're way ahead. You're way, 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 way ahead. I don't know what getting even means. Yeah, uh, dude. And and the other thing is, is from where you're shooting these videos, you're doing a lot better than any of us are. And you're supposedly not to. uh, You're not. You're supposedly not to have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. Because I'm pretty sure the Goldman family and the Brown family are still waiting on some significant checks that are never going to come. Yeah, but uh, it's you know, but for me, it's the shame and the audacity and just. But I guess it's you know, if you've gotten away with this much, what the hell's a fucking few more things? I guess and and that's the part that's you know, and I and I've seen uh, you know, it was you know, obviously. 
his ex-wife's sister, uh, you know, uh, on some of the news networks. I mean, and they're just freaking mortified. Or maybe it's uh, Ryan Goldman says, but either way, I mean, dude, just let sleeping dogs lie. Just be happy you get to breathe and play golf and whoever the hell's freaking paying for you to live, whatever. God bless you, you freaking idiot. Uh, Untuckit.com. Dads come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, and so should their shirts. Like tall, short, slim, relaxed. Ever wonder why your father's button-up looks so long and baggy at the end of the day? It can be hard for guys to pull off a casual, untucked look that isn't sloppy. That's where Untuck It comes in. Untuck It is the solution that fits just right. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great, untucked, and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend, around the barbecue, soccer fields, whatever it is. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, promo code NFL, to receive 20% off. And obviously, we thank you for their sponsorship of Lockdown Browns. And now we'll get to some listener questions. But yeah, that is something I I I had been meaning to get to. And look, sometimes I forget this stuff. And look, I just need my kids out of school. I, I am done with this year's school year. And come tomorrow at twelve ten, that becomes official. Uh, Jason B L O C H Jason Blotch. Given Pete's inclination to move off Kareem Hunt as soon as possible to avoid any more off-field stuff. There's some yes there, but there also is some no to that statement, but we'll finish it. Do you see any scenario where Duke is in Cleveland next year and Kareem Hunt isn't? Well, sure. Kareem Hunt gets in trouble. Kareem Hunt gets, you know, there's a, a, a video comes out of Kareem Hunt. I mean, that's the, that's, that's the scenario where Kareem Hunt is gone and, and Duke isn't, uh, or, you know, major injury uh, before we get to that point. That you know that would be the other uh, issue in terms of you know unless he's forgotten how to play football that's you know he's 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 still great uh, you know I've reports in minicamp where he's still outstanding and, and and those type of things so it's it's injury or some other awful incident that just is the end of it or but I mean it, it could also be this where with all the BS that's going around in the entire scenario with Duke Johnson where he really finds a role, and we've talked about this, where he puts up a statistical anomaly that none of us saw coming, and then once it comes to the deadline, and if the Browns are humming, and the last thing you're going to do right now is upset the apple cart, and you bring Kareem in, and even still, even if he chooses to, you know, he comes to be a nice part of it, you, Kareem Hunt would probably be the more, would bring be the more lucrative asset, as long as he has kept himself clean, because you're still not paying him what Duke is making. So he could be the more lucrative asset. And if that's the case, until Nick Chubb comes up to get paid, you have a nice position where you can have Nick and some other brand names until Nick makes his money, gets a longer-term deal, and it's going to be Nick and the you know the Nickettes, so to speak. Yeah, I mean... Uh, Nick Chubb, you know, I, I you know, I, I was going through some stuff the other day, and you know, the the the, the run he had against the Raiders, where I think it's like a broken counter. I think it's supposed to be a counter. The first touchdown or the second uh, one? Second one. Oh uh, my God! Where he absolutely just juked that dude at about eight yards. Yeah. So- you know, right around it, where uh, first base should probably be in Oakland. Right. So <laughs> the, the the Raiders set up and make a really, really nice call where they have a late blitz. The Mike Backer comes downhill, and 
it seems like uh, Treader and Zeitler aren't entirely sure who they're supposed to block. Uh, and <coughs> but they've got Hubbard pulling, and the bike backer goes right through, and he manages to miss the tackle on Nick Chubb. He's sort of getting shoved a little bit by Hubbard. And then at that point, it is Nick Chubb making a bunch of guys miss, uh, gets up through the hole, gets a block from Njoku, then finds a block by uh, Richard Higgins and ultimately houses it. But, again, it looks to me like it's supposed to be a counter that's completely busted. The play should be dead on arrival, and Nick Chubb scores. And that's, like, the moment where it's like, oh, man, this dude is really good. Like, the first first touchdown has, has some really nice blocking, and he makes he makes a couple really nice moves and, and gets there. But the second one is almost entirely him uh, just making it happen. He gets a couple nice downfield blocks from guys who – uh, who block well for him, but yeah, that the certain. I mean, Kareem Hunt is is phenomenal in terms of what he's able to do when he's not kicking women on tape. Uh, so if if Nick Chubb can sort of reach his peak, he he has the talent to sort of surpass that. But you know, that it's really hard to imagine that the you know there's a situation where they're not going to find ways to get both of those guys the ball and then. You know, we're going to have it have to talk about, you know, all this talk about the defensive line stuff, uh, you know, about getting them a nickname that it'll be, you know, what do you call Nick Chubb and, and, and Kareem Hunt as a duo, theoretically, uh, when they get going, if, they, if they're as good as they as they sh- could be, should be. Uh, and then it's a question of basically how long do you keep those two guys together? Yeah, and look, and there's always that thing, and this goes on with wide receiver position. This goes on with the running back position. You know, you, and it's not that you're tight, and it's not that you don't respect the other guys you're playing with, but it's that anything you can do, I think I can do better. And that's one of the good things about bringing in a guy like Kareem Hunt is because uh, when he gets his opportunities, he, what, what he's going to want to say inside his body and inside his mind is, well, Nick's out this play? Well, all right. Well, Nick's going to be out for a while because this is going to the house. And Nick's going to think the same thing. All right, well, we got second seven at the 45. We're going off left tackle. <laughs> all right, Kareem, take the hat off, sit down for a while because this is going to the house. And that's just, you know, and that's it, it fuels each other. I do want to thank, and let me just make sure I get his at right, uh, at never been wrong, N, capital N, capital B, capital W, never been wrong, one, we have a Justin Gilbert Raz score, Pete. Overall Raz score of 9.05. A 40 time of 4.37. A 20 split of 2.57. 10 yard split of 1.54. That shows you how much long speed Justin Gilbert had. Uh, bench 20 for a lazy SOB like Justin Gilbert. That's an impressive bench. Uh, vert, 35.5. A 10 6 uh, broad jump. And a three cone of six nine two, Pete athletically and metrically, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, he you know he crushed the genetic lottery, uh, and had you know it was all there for him. He just he's a knucklehead that didn't sort of it, it, he wasn't didn't want to be great. Was more concerned about what football was going to do for him. And just didn't know how, and when he faced some adversity, just didn't know how to deal with it or sort of fight through it. Uh, and just became a, a just a mess for him. And he just did not have the tools 
to sort of deal, deal with it. And this was not a, a, a secret is that uh, basically anybody that talked to him, which is a big reason why the Browns had a problem, is <laughs> it came off with the idea that this dude just doesn't get it. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's where the evaluation was clearly missed. And that's why he was a bad fit because he was somebody that probably needed to go to a better team, even if you start right away and say, well, look, this is how we do it at this level. And it's fantastic that we have proof that you're a fa- great athlete. There's detail and there's meetings and there's taking things from meetings and not just being there. And similar to uh, Jamarcus Russell, uh, a lot goes into being an NFL player. Uh, yeah, a lot of fantastic athletes, but uh, you kind of need how to put out the work ethic. And also to you know translate meetings and film to practice and games and it, you just can't be a one-trick pony in the NFL. It's the rarest of the rare if it ever happens. Uh, Pete, uh, anything we missed? I think league-wise has been pretty quiet today. Uh, yeah, league-wise it has oh. been pretty. Uh, okay. uh, there's a couple small things and that could be really interesting. The Ravens went out and hired a bunch of uh, people. Who, Basically, off Twitter to do analytics stuff. Yes, I did um, notice that. Which you know, again, could be genuinely fascinating, especially if they're doing you know some things on offense. I think it could be more valuable for what they're doing on defense. And the other thing that has nothing to do with the NFL anymore uh, is Rod Smart. He hate me. Yeah, uh, had disappeared for a week, but he has apparently been found safe. Uh, oh, safe and okay. They did get him. Okay. Located, and uh, you know that that's one of those where you're like, oh no. What they're going to find a body and it's going to be bad. Yeah, Rashawn Salam. That that was the first thing I was thinking is you're going to find this guy in a park under a tree somewhere and you know nobody wants that, but good for him. So yeah, safe and sound. Uh, you know, the former Eagle slash Panther who's more known for his his uh, brief stint in the XFL than anything. I'm not sure if there's another player I could name from the XFL other than him. From the XFL, I don't think so. But, and it was yeah. just because of he hate me. Yeah, which you know that caught that caught caught on big time. But yeah, that, you know, so thank God he's okay. Uh, hopefully, it was just because he's also about that age where you worry about where you know. Because I and the first thing it was you know, well, Rod Smart's forty two. I was like, holy crap, Rod Smart's forty two, and it's always a constant reminder of how old you know and how much has gone on. But then you're worried about CT and all that stuff, which you know usually leads to bad things. But you know, off the top of your head, and I sure yourself can't. What, what what year was the XFL? It was either two thousand or two thousand and one. I, I remember. I remember watching the inaugural game, and I was in an apartment about 10, 12 minutes from my parents' house. I remember it, and the reason I, you know, and I don't forget, it was because I remember watching, I think it was, oh shit, was it the New Jersey Gladiators, New York, New Jersey Gladiators or whatever. But remember, the coin toss consisted, consisted of the ball being put on the 50-yard line and two guys five yards apart trying to get who could get the fumble first. <laughs> It was like that. The, the coin toss was a lawsuit waiting to happen. Oh, it, it was basically an Oklahoma drill. So somebody was going to die or break a neck. Some, yes, it was going to be a concussion or shoulder breaker thing where somebody gets uh, twisted up. Apparently, uh, two thousand one. So okay. that's fascinating. And there's another one, guys. If you haven't seen that one, there is another fantastic thirty for thirty. And I'll be honest, I I cannot believe the McMahon family and the amount of success that they have had. Are about to go down this road once again. I mean, I, I well, just I just don't know how it works because I mean, 
if it's going to be played around now, how do you tell your family it's beautiful out, it's nice weather? Well, granted, it's obviously not been, but we're going to go drop $250. And usually in that scenario, maybe if you got a son, you know, you know, you're, you know, you know, a lot of women are football fans, obviously, you know, and, you know, girls grow up to be football fans, but you're talking about the most sub-marginal of players, and you're trying to go justify to spend 250 to $300 to go watch a whole bunch of people that the only people really know who know them, Pete, are draft Twitter. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, it. They're doing it all in the southeast, aren't they? Like all the teams are basically in the southeast, I think, or somewhere in that neighborhood. Well, I know, I know there's an, there's a team in this area. There's a, a Washington franchise. But I, I don't think it's – if you want to say most of it is south of the Mason-Dixon line, yes, I do believe you're right there. Like when they originally came out with it and then they announced the jackass rule about how they weren't going to take people with criminal history, I thought that was like death. Because originally when they announced it, it was like it would be all – sort of that south southeastern area i thought they could actually do really well you know sort of as as a small thing uh that uh that they would essentially get a bunch of you know busted sec and gators and seminoles and hurricanes yeah they had legal issues that the nfl wasn't gonna bet on absolutely but they could get a bunch of really talented or just like you know dumb uh, they have made dumb mistakes, but you know, in terms of basically like that, you know, that area could actually do really well. Um, but my and I don't know enough about this uh, to to be well, well versed on it. But I, you know, some people have suggested that the part of the reason that Vince McMahon is going back into the XFL well is because they are worried that the basically that the, the the time is fast approaching where the WWE is sort of going to be and it's not that it will stop making money but they're going to run into real issues with uh basically liability and actually having to pay people and some of the other issues that ultimately that a lot of this is looking as a way to sort of you know get themselves out uh, and, and create an additional way of revenue. If not, you know, I don't think they're necessarily looking to get out of the WWE, but that that, that this this gives them a way to sort of, if it were to go badly, that they'd have another way to sort of uh, you know keep generating money. Well, no, but the problem is, is they have they have they were supposed to their Tuesday night show, which is called SmackDown. It was uh, apparently it was either going, I believe it was supposed to go to Fox, and I believe that would be within the next calendar year. But ratings are down, and that is the problem. Is is you're trying to do five hours a week between Monday night, which is three hours, and then Tuesday night, which is two hours. And with the more extreme the their athletes are trying to go to, you get more injuries, and it's watering down the product. And you get to the point where you know you don't have enough to fill out a card of quality people if it was maybe two hours on one night and two nights two hours on the next and the problem is is the most ent- entertaining part is i mean it's probably the women they're you know overall they're more athletic uh the men's side of it you know it's a lot more bigger guys so the matches are more traditional to the 80s you know and, and that type of thing so they're kind of you know to use the term the cup between a shit and a fart so but you're trying to do so you know if it's what four weeks a month that's 20 hours you're throwing in a pay-per-view which is another four hours it's too much right now but the problem is is in order to pay everybody you have to be on this often 
and you know you you can't go extreme with the storylines and the beatings that some of these people are taking because your talent is beat down and you know these guys and girls they get significantly injured there's acls and there's torn labrums and there's you know guys out for six to nine months where they just built up a script where they were going to be a headliner for six to nine months but all of a sudden now they're injured and so the product, you know, and I still watch, I still enjoy it. Look, it's it's a nice break from everything else because it's, you don't know what's going to happen, which, you know, I mean, you watch game, you know, you watch sporting events, you can see it as it unfolds. You can watch that and it's just going to turn into whatever it turns into because there is a storyline and there's, it's a written result. Uh, but they've kind of extended themselves too deep, but I just don't think there is a sustainability in any other product, and I don't think between—I mean, between college football and the NFL, they're really—I I don't know how anything else would possibly work. Because uh, you can spend Saturday, and you could literally sit there from noon to what two thirty, three o'clock in the morning, so you can get yourself fifteen hours. You're fixed there. You figure you start, and, and with the London games now, you can be watching football by nine a.m. The Sunday night games cap off at like 11:45. You've still got a Sunday. You still got a Monday nighter. You've had a Thursday nighter. I just, you know, you get your fill. I just don't understand how uh, there's any room for a third football product. There's just not. Well, you know, the AFL certainly blew a hole in any credibility this league could have. Uh, obviously all the, you know, how, how many players are going to trust that this thing's going to work? You know, are you going to uproot your situation and move to go play in this league that could potentially leave you holding the bag uh, as it did the other, uh, you know, so many of these other people. And I I don't know. I I, I think those people are ultimately getting what they were owed, but I, I don't know if that's, going to be worth the risk again but the other thing though is are you going to have to chip into the class action lawsuit so then what are you actually going to end up getting once it's all over right so this is part of the reason that you know i thought you know if you're going to do a league like this it should be super regional so you are you know so you don't have to fly everywhere so you can do a lot of those things that make it a little bit more realistic a little bit uh more cost efficient uh, that you know, let's say you know you're in a league where you know the AFL. You had a team in uh, Utah. Uh, you had a team in Salt Lake, and if you you know theoretically could then have to go from there to play for a team in Florida. And obviously, the the, the league was very regional and how it sort of set itself up and where the talent came from. But that's why I thought like you know, and, and we'll see how it ultimately gets done. It doesn't sound like they're going like that way. But if you had sort of a league that basically extends from Texas to Florida, uh, wraps up to maybe as, you know, up to Tennessee and that basically that big old, you know, that SEC region that you could have sort of a small uh, league that gets, you know, gets enough interest to be on TV that, you know, fills programming for networks like the NFL Network, which can't program itself for shit, CBS Sports, and those type of things that you have enough interest in it that it can potentially generate you enough revenue and you can fight some of those costs of like air travel and some of those things that, that you know, that, that, that could really screw this thing up. But ultimately it, it's a matter of making sure you have the money there in the first place uh, and not basically take it on spec and hope for the best. Well, exactly like what went on with, uh, you know, obviously uh, the AFL uh, and uh, Kent Platty, uh, Kent Platty did chime in. 
his metrics are the only thing that made me give him a possible late day two grade instead of day three. His tape was terrible. So there was the Justin Gilbert in a nutshell, guys. Um, Pete, uh, Browns, Maven, what's in the hopper? Uh, so we talked about it, but because, you know, because of the amount of, you know, reaction I got in terms of the Duke Johnson and cream, you know, the cream hunt part of this about what happens to him that, uh, I'm going to do another video basically talking about the, the different possibilities with that. Uh, and, and we'll see what else comes, comes down, uh, the pike here. Uh, certainly we are in that time where we're sort of waiting for stuff to happen, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep chugging along and, uh, Hopefully, uh, more things will fall into our lap, like jackass uh, pundits saying things that are provably false that we, I can easily uh, use. Those those are very helpful. Yeah, it's always nice when somebody you know missteps or you know makes for a a stupid scenario, which obviously gives us you know gives Pete reads uh, gives us you know listens over here. Uh, at Browns Maven on Twitter. Make sure you're checking that out. Uh, that's where you can find all of Pete's work here now. Uh, as we mentioned last night, there's been some changes with Maven and something with SI. I mean, where that cool. goes. Yeah, right. it's interesting. I, I still have no idea what that means for me, <laughs> but yeah. You know, it's a big deal to, you know, to basically take uh, operational control of Sports Illustrated. That's, you know, but again, I, I don't know what that, that actually ma- means yet still, but uh, hopefully that, that, all I can say is I hope that means good news for me. Yes, and you know, I mean, I'm sure there'll be a nice big email sent out. But uh, you know, check out obviously at Brownsmaven, uh, Brownsmaven.com, uh, at underscore Pete Smith. Throw a follow over there. Uh, you know, as always, appreciate Pete uh, for his time and his effort here. As you know, we try to build this growth together, and I, I know what we're doing right now, listen wise, and I and I love it. And I remember where we were with the pregame show and the postgame show. And, and, and that is the part I, I cannot tell you how excited I am to get into the 19 regular season because it, it was, it, you know, 18 alone was a fun ride. And with all that's going, you know, it should be going on here. I, I'm literally like almost like if you could tell me right now, you could give me a Rip Van Winkle and we could maybe get to the third preseason game. I'd probably sign up for it. I would. I'm just looking forward to it because we all just want to see it. Like, I mean, is this it? Is is everything that we believe going to come to fruition, which I do believe it's going to in a good enough aspect. I'm not going to say stupid shit like Super Bowl. I'm not a moron. But, I mean, will there be a January football game? I, I do think there will. And that is what I am looking forward to here. Uh, the at Locked on Browns, all lowercase uh, Twitter account. Make sure you throw a follow over there. Guys, if there's something you don't want to put on Twitter, and I understand some of you people aren't big on Twitter, but you're on Twitter, any questions, suggestions, things you want talked about, anything, uh, send a DM over there. At me personally, uh, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, throw a follow over there. Um, ratings, reviews, whatever podcasting app you use, please, they're always appreciated. Keep those coming. Helps with the growth of the show. Let's everybody know Pete and I are busting our asses out here every single day to Hotels.com, to Grip6, to the folks over at Untucket, and the folks at Blue Chew. We appreciate the uh, sponsorship. Uh, you know, As the show grows, obviously the advertising is going to grow, guys. Um, I will tell you one thing. You know, I do get some gripes every now and then about the advertising and the commercial. Um we're asked at Lockdown Browns to give you about a 30-minute show per day. 
Pete and I have never sat down and given you a 30-minute show. So even though there's more ads, you guys are getting 20 to probably 30 minutes more of product than a lot of other shows on this network do. And we've always done this. We just like to chop it up. Uh, tomorrow night's going to be a fun one. Uh, former Arizona State All-American Kyle Murphy, part of the, I believe, if I remember correctly, it's the 96 Rose Bowl against Ohio State. You know, our boy Kyle took the L that day. Um, but it'll be a fun story. Obviously, you know, Kyle, you know, played with Jake Plummer. Kyle knows Adam Archuleta. Kyle is a coach working specifically with offensive linemen. So him and Peter will be able to talk some offensive line. We'll be able to talk some stories of his, you know, career at Arizona State. We'll be able to talk about knowing, you know, I'm sorry, not Adam, obviously Pat Tillman, knowing Pat, uh, knowing Jake Plummer and playing with him and having his, you know, basically covering his back. So tomorrow night will be a fun one. So make sure you check that out. Uh, This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.